here today with Jack Stews and Jack. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's pretty uh, pretty cool to be back. How um, how you doing? How's school going? It's going great. Uh, junior at Yale now. Um, history major. Oh, nice. Yeah, really couldn't complain. I think uh, I think I'm glad with that decision I made. History major. A lot of guys will tend to go econ, but uh, you know I kind of followed what I've always liked, which was history. So yeah, another guy in the humanities. I like yeah, to hear that. Exactly. Good. So you've got the longest, I forget how long these breaks are. Um, you guys are here for what, another week and then you go back? A couple more days. So I go back on Saturday, but it's kind of interesting where depending on what your exam schedule is, like you could have an extra week, you know, of break. Um, I had some friends who finished their exams on like the 22nd. I think I got out of there on the 19th or something. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's wild, like three or four weeks at home. Um, it's nice, you know, nice to spend time with the family again, but I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember at least it's pretty, it's been pretty warm here, but I remember coming home winter breaks and having to train for the run test. I don't know if you guys have a run test when you get back, but I was always trying to figure out how am I going to motivate myself to run out in the freezing cold and get in shape for the season. Yeah, it's, we, so we don't have a run test, but I agree, like, We've, we've got a pretty, you know, regimented, like, training plan um, over break, but I like to work out in the mornings to just kind of not get it over with, but, you know, check that off for the day yeah. um, and, and have some time to, you know, do other stuff for the rest of the day. But it's sometimes tough knowing, you know, I don't have anything to do today. There's not really any real reason for me to be rolling out of bed at 830 but, you know, it's, it's, it's good to get out and, you know, start getting stuff done early because you could definitely fall into the routine of waking up at 12, yeah. you know, working out, sit on the couches for the rest of the day and doing nothing, which, you know, there are some days for, for something like that to be done. But, you know, it's nice to, you know, yeah. get in some sort of routine when you're at home. Yeah, I mean, you feel good. You know, you feel like you've done something. You can always take a nap if you yeah. don't have anything going on. But at least you check. So you've got the make your bed book I yeah. see here to talk about today. Um, that one accomplishment in the morning. I just feel like whenever I wake up past, at this point, like 9, 9.30 on the weekend, even on the weekends, mm -hmm. I feel kind of like a bum. Sometimes you need yeah. it, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think, like, there are times where I'll hit snooze a couple times, but you feel good when you get out of bed, that first alarm, start your day, hop in the shower, a cup of coffee, like, you're ready to go. Yeah. What's the uh, off-season or winter training regiment like like what are you doing are you coming up to Gilman to work out are you get I saw you out in the field with your lacrosse stick a couple of days ago what's what's the uh the workout plan like yeah so it's kind of fine-tuning everything getting ready for the season um which starts up you know officially February 1st so it's a lot of like movement and speed stuff we're still lifting pretty heavy on some days but it's really like taking all of the muscle that we've built from, you know, the beginning of really the beginning of, um, I guess, June, like from the end of our season after we kind of have a couple of weeks to cool down after the season ends beginning of June, like we're going up until the start of this kind of period, right. When exams are kind of starting and it's just getting fast mm -hmm. um, and starting to build those like fast switch muscles. Um, so I'm up at Gilman, you know, most days, it's been awesome to, you know, see former teachers pop their heads in. Um, but it's cool to, you know, have a lot of guys from my class that are also, you know, training for their seasons, like 
lifting together again. And it's been, it's been super fun to do that. Yeah. It's great to have the facility. I mean, the facilities here when everyone's in school, you've pretty much got this place to yourself. It's kind of how I feel on the weekends living on campus. I come up to the weight room. No one's in there. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's awesome. We, we joke around like Sam King and I were in there a couple of days ago and they had fifth graders coming in, like teaching them how to do goblet squats. And I'm like, geez, I would be so much stronger if I was in fifth grade and, you know, I knew how to do something like lift wise. Um, we were, you know, we were, we were the generation of the old weight room upstairs. And I went back up in there a couple of days ago to, to do a couple of things. And, you know, we didn't have the luxury that, you know, guys have now. So it's kind of like added, you know, incentive to start working out and, and start getting active, which I think is pretty cool. There are a couple things in that old weight room that are, are missing. The new one's amazing. I love it. But there are a couple things in there that I think you have to, is, is that still set up? I haven't checked in a while. It is. Yeah. Um, Mr. Holmes let me in and like had it all to myself and, you know, brought me back to the glory days, but it was, it was cool. Yeah. I, th- I would agree. I think there's some machines that, you know, might be missing from downstairs, but it, it can't be perfect. The turf. Yeah. The turf the is great. Huge. Yeah. The turf's awesome. You ever use those sleds? I haven't. No. But I, th- I can see, like, those are those would be great to train with, yeah. Is Yale lacrosse, are you guys still doing the off-season res- – and I don't want to – you don't have to spoil any of your secrets as a program, but I remember when I was in college, we found out that the Yale lacrosse team had to send pictures of their meals to the nutrition staff to make sure you guys are eating the right things. Yeah, so um, part of that is still done, yeah. Um, it kind of really depends what, you know, you need, I would say, you know, if you're a guy who's at weight, has enough muscle, like you're fine. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, a lot of the times, you know, you'll come in freshman year and a little bit underweight. Um, and like, you kind of need those training wheels a little bit. So it's more for that, you know, use where you'll, you know, talk to the training staff about the types of foods that you need to be eating to, you know, help gain weight, help replenish, you know, muscle after you lift and stuff like that. So there's, that's definitely still done. I would say now it's more, you know, from the team where you're not sending your food into, you know, the coaches where you do do some of that still, but it's more, you know, we have a big group chat that we use, like just kind of like to keep everybody accountable, which I would say is most of that. Mm -hmm. Um, How's the season looking? How is the team um, going to look this year? What are you thinking? I think good. Um, we, we've got pretty much everybody back from last season. Um, you know, it's funny to say, like, last year I would consider a down year. All things considered, you know, we made the NCAA tournament, which is a huge accomplishment for a lot of teams out there. Um, I think that kind of goes to show, you know, we have our pretty high, you know, standard for what our goals are. Which I think is interesting because you'll never once hear anybody within our program talk about what those goals are. You just kind of know what they are. Um, this year, I think we return a lot of great leadership. Um, I think the like the gift of giving an extra year, like an extra year of leadership, an extra year of wisdom and age for a lot of guys, is going to be crucial. Um, and there's going to be a lot of veterans on the field, which you know is is awesome. Um, and I think that that's going to be pretty big for us. And I think the, the one thing with us is, like, our, our captain has been saying it all year. Like, it's not, you know, the X's and O's. It's not how good we are at lacrosse. It's going to determine the outcome of the season. It's, like, between the years. Um, if we can, kind of, you know, overcome 
the, the biggest muscle in our, in our, you know, body, the brain, like we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been the struggle this year. And, and it's an uphill battle and it's an everyday, you know, everyday battle, which, um, I think if, if you can, you know, come to terms with that and, and, and really try to hone in on that, like you're going to be successful. So that's really what we're focusing on. Brandau back or is he gone? He is. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. He's back. I think there's a couple more years, I guess this might be the last year and next year of, you know, the COVID, you know, hangover um, with all the eligibility stuff. So I'm, you know, so happy that he's back. Um, and just having, you know, another really, you know, leadership driven team with, with that class who, you know, I've lucky to, you know, have three years with, or I guess four years um, has been, you know, great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about, uh, the coaching staff, Coach Shea, kind of his philosophy and maybe how he's evolved. What do you, so you have two more years, right? I do. So this year and next year. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I know. Um, I know. Guys love him. He's really one of a kind, in my opinion. Um, getting recruited by a lot of these other coaches out there, and you know they're obviously great and a part of awesome, um, you know, programs. I just felt that he was very different in the recruiting process where, you know, I understood that once you go to a school, like you got to work for a spot, you got to work to play at some of these other schools you go to, they're kind of like almost telling you, you're going to, you know, see time on the field. And I'm like, that's kind of, kind of crazy that you're making that promise. And I'm a junior in high school, you know, like you have no idea what I'm going to be like in two years. Coach Shade, not, never, will never do that. He's never going to, you know, guarantee you anything um he'll tell you really funny stories about you know some some of the, like the yale lacrosse legends and, and some of the recruiting stories that that they have um and they're all just very unique to him you know he he told a kid he told me one time um that that this kid i guess like snapped at his mom when they were in the office like doing their initial meeting and then they're touring around campus, and Coach Shea and this kid walk a couple paces up ahead of the kid and his parents, and he leans over to this kid, and he goes, so, you know, if that's how you talk to your mom, how are you going to talk to me? Yeah, yeah. Which I think, like, if you're trying to trying to get a kid to come to your school, you know, he's willing to, you could be a fantastic lacrosse player, but if you're not a good person, he's going to take a pass on you. Like, he wants a kid that's, you know, going to work his butt off, going to grind, and he's, he'll develop you into a great lacrosse player. Um, it's really interesting uh, to think about, and I'm, I'm talking with Mr. Molina, who's back at Gilman. I think he was here yep, when you were here. He, um, he went to Yale Law School, and we're doing an assembly next week, basically about affirmative action, but really about what it takes to build a, a successful, you know, whatever that means, community, team, school, And we were talking the other day about how building a team, it's not always about getting the best players. There are so many teams that have all of the best players on paper, but they don't actually win the championship in whatever sport or league they're in because there's some some other formula involved in creating culture and, you know, a good team. And I think, um, you know, I think... What you, what you just told me about Coach Shea and looking for some things about people's characters. I remember my dad played at Hopkins, and I did a visit to Hopkins and t- talked to Coach Petromala. And one thing that I'll never forget he said to me is, like, I noticed in your tape, you know, after, after everyone scores in your recruiting highlight video or whatever, you're always going up to them. You're the first one there. Give them high five. 
And I would never think that a coach would notice something like that, you know, but those guys on the team that are pumped for their teammates, I mean, that's what it, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, you know, it's just to say that there's maybe more involved in a team than just skill. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you kind of, everybody, everybody goes to college, you know, I want to be the best player on the team. That's, you know, it's, that's not going to happen. You know, not everybody can be the best player on the team. So I think you kind of, you know, fill into those roles and he does an awesome job of kind of leading you there. Um, and our, you know, our team mantra is one, only need everybody. And I think like that holds true all the time. You know, it holds true now. We've, we've had a couple, you know, major players get injured this year. Um, starters get injured. So it's like, who's the next guy up? You know, that guy who was on the bench three weeks ago who might not have thought that he was going to play. Yeah. You know, congratulations. You, you know, you're a starting attackman now. You know what I mean? So only need everybody. Like, it rings true for for playing. It rings true for, you know, we don't have – we don't leave – like, we don't leave guys at home on, like, away trips. So I think, like, we'll have guys come in with the team, um, stay at the hotel with us. Like, only need everybody. You're not going to leave somebody behind just because, you know, they're not going to play. Yeah, I like that. Uh, let me ask you, um, a lot of guys at Gilman, schools like Gilman, they want to play at Yale or in the Ivy League or one of these top programs in the country. But I remember, you know, high school lacrosse is much different than college lacrosse for a lot of different reasons. And I'm wondering about, you know, you played at a high level in high school, obviously. You played in the MIAA. You had great coaching your whole life. You know, you've always loved the sport, like myself. But maybe what what uh, surprised you, or what was it like transitioning to the college level when it's a much different ball game? Yeah, for me, it was a little bit different because, you know, I graduated during COVID, and the Ivy League was the only league that didn't play that year. So I had like a two year gap to like really slow it down and like really, you know find my feet in college lacrosse, which for me was, it, it ended up being very, like very easy in my opinion. Um, you know, we met as a team over Zoom every week during that year that we didn't play. So I was like a part of a college lacrosse team, but I wasn't playing college lacrosse yet. So it's kind of weird in that sense. I, I wanted to be ready if we were going to play. So I watched film, you know, once a week with our defensive coordinator that, that COVID year. So like, I knew the scheme and I knew the defense before I even stepped foot on campus. So then I start playing and I'm like, oh, like I watched that a hundred times. So I know I need to be there. So it was pretty like easy, I think. Um, it was definitely faster. Guys are a lot stronger. And then I think you think about, you know, you'll go, you'll play in the MLAA, right? And you'll have the best player at McDonough is going to Duke. And then, you know, they got a kid going to Penn State, whatever. Then, like, a kid a little bit lower on the depth chart going to, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe he's not even playing lacrosse. When you're playing in college, every kid you're playing against was that top player. Yeah. So, like, the level of play just rises significantly, obviously. Um, and it's natural, like, you know, you're practicing with all of those kids who are the best players on their team. So, you get you just get better practicing. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty cool. And, and in high school, you might not really think – you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to – Go play in college. I'm going to, you know, get better at lacrosse. I don't think you can really wrap your head around, like, how much more room you have, room for improvement that you really have, yeah. which I think is pretty cool. 
Yeah. And the other thing I think I'd add is, you know, I didn't have a problem with this because I always loved lacrosse. You know, my dad played. I was had a stick in my crib, basically. Played probably like you your whole life. But I, I really think it's so important that you love the sport at a really deep level if you want to play in college because it's, it's really all-consuming. I mean, you just told me about how after the, la- you know, the last day of the season last, last spring, it started again. You know, the summer, you got to work out. You got to train. You got to keep lifting. The fall, you've got this whole program in the fall. Winter break, you're working out at 8 in the morning every day. You know, it's every day, and there are only, what, 13, 14 games on the schedule. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. You've got to love the process. Yeah, 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 I, I couldn't agree more. I think, like, you know, you got to there's, – there's guys, I think, that I've seen struggle, you know, with, you know, I, maybe, you know, playing all four years. Like, some, some guys quit. It's hard. And um, I think for me and for a lot of, you know, my friends who, who love, like, love it, it's just all rooted in, like, how much do you like, like being here? You know, it's kind of differentiating – not differentiating, like, the grind because I think there's a lot of people who love the grind. I, I, like, I love, you know, grinding because I know what – you know, the end result is and the end goal is, but there's like nothing that makes me happier than just, you know, being on a field in a game. Mm-hmm. It is the best feeling. It, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, the feeling too. It's, there's really nothing that beats it and it's hard to describe. Um, but I can just, I can think of some games where I'm just like, this is the, like the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. And it's t- totally wor- worth yeah. all the other days of the year. I'll come off the field. I think it was, I think it was the Cornell game, my freshman year in the, Ivy League tournament, um, we were playing with that Brown in semifinals, and I just come off the field just, like, laughing. I was like, I'm having so much fun right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a special feeling. So how do, you, um, how do you balance, you know, for me, like, there were, there were certainly times in college lacrosse where I was thinking to myself, you know, in the middle of the week, it's cold out. You're standing there watching practice, or you're you're stretching for the second time that day, or you're, you know, you're getting ready to lift another, you know, set of something. You're thinking to yourself, what else could I be, I be doing right now? And I think the balance component is interesting to talk about. So, you know, you've got other things that you're interested in. You've got a social life. How do you think about like balance in college while playing this pretty much all-consuming sport? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I think like even with the fact that, you know, there's classes that I can't take because we have practice. Mm-hmm. So like there's a class I've been, you know, going back and forth with Mr. Hastings about since I've gotten to Yale. It's a class on Ulysses. I'll never be able to take that class because it's at four o'clock. Yeah. We practice at four o'clock or left at four o'clock every single day. So I think that's part of it, right? Like I'm missing out on some opportunities because I have, you know, I have practice, I have lift. Um, we joke around a lot on days where, you know, we might have an off day. We like literally will have no lacrosse stuff, which is once in a blue moon. But we're like, we were like, what do we do? <laughs> you know, like we'll be in the yeah. library. We're like, wow, like, so, like we call them NARPs, non-athletic regular person. Like this is, this is what NARP life is like. Um, and you're like, I don't have anything to do tonight. I already did all my homework. So it just like unlocks so much time to do other things and talking to friends who don't play sports, like they have a completely different perspective on New Haven and like the surrounding area of activities and things to do around that, that, you know, I'm, I'm never going to have the time to do. Yeah. Sometimes I think 
about what it would be like if I didn't play lacrosse in college. And I don't know if I would have done as well academically because lacrosse just gave me such a regimented schedule. Like I go to practice for five hours or however long it takes, you know, for stretching and film and whatnot and lifting. Then you have to do your homework when you get back or there's no other choice. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to get right on it. Um, And I think if, if I didn't have lacrosse to set that schedule for me, I don't know, I would, we'd be doing trips, I'd be doing different things, I'd be, I don't know what I've been doing, but I would be less disciplined probably than I would have been playing a sport. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think like the, you know, balancing academics is one of the big things, right, where you'll have class all day. And I think one of the funny things is like, when I'm done class, that triggers in my head, oh, lacrosse starts now. Yeah, your day starts. My day starts, exactly. But for other people, you know, it's, oh, I'm done class, like, you know, I'm done the day. Nap time. Like, yeah, no, not for us, you know. So we'll start, finish class, go to practice, or go to lift, then go to practice. Then we're done around 7 or 8. It's dog tired. You know, I would love to go in my bed, go to sleep, watch TV, play Xbox, whatever it is. But, like, you know, I've got a problem set due tomorrow that I have to finish. So I'll be in the library till 10.30, 11 go to bed, do it all again the next day. Yeah, it's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's been the most interesting class that you've taken so far or a class that you've taken recently that you've liked, history, otherwise? Yeah, um, there's been a lot. Um, I would say, I would say so those two that I took this past semester, um, one of them was called Egypt of the Pharaohs. Um, so I originally kind of, and I, I currently still am, I guess, you, you choose your major, you choose a specific tract. Um, mine's European. Um, I think I might sort of pivot that to like pre-industrial ancient. I've taken a lot of classes and I've loved like ancient Greek history, um, like doing some of that stuff this next semester, ancient Roman history. But this is my first like kind of Egyptian class and I thought that it was so cool to just like it's a completely different culture than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. But there's so many like key tenets of that culture that like permeate throughout our society today. And I just thought it was so awesome. Um, and just the fact that, you know, there's still bits and pieces of the history that we have no idea about. Like imagine if, imagine if I told you, you know, from 1800 to now, we have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And how can we like, think that we understand somebody's society. Like if we didn't have those years from 1800 to now, we would have no idea what, you know, our society is like. Yeah. And we think we're so advanced with our phones and our cameras and computers, but we don't know, we couldn't rebuild the pyramids and we don't know how they did them. No. And I mean, we didn't get, we, I, we would sometimes like poke our professor about, you know, conspiracy theories on the pyramids. She was a archeologist. Like she's, She's been to Giza. She's worked on the pyramid. She's like, it's not a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> I sometimes so aliens didn't build them. No, exactly. They weren't like an energy portal for the entire world. Yeah, and we're like, well, there was pyramids found in Antarctica. You know, what do you have to say about that? And she's like, we're we're done with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and it took a lot of slaves to build the pyramids, I believe, right? Yeah. Well, so. They would have the pharaoh would have like an entire workforce of you know a civilization building the pyramids. Yeah. So the Great Pyramid of Giza, Khufu, 
in the you know old kingdom just had you know masses and masses of people whose sole responsibility in their life was to build the pyramid. But still, I mean, I would ask this professor, how did they lift these heavy? Like, what what technology did did they have to lift these heavy blocks? To yeah, um, well, so like one of the big things is like, the rocks and the granite is cut so straight, or I guess limestone is cut so straight. And I guess they had. I probably should remember this. It's it's like you know escaped my mind in the last couple of weeks, but um, they would like kind of like sand it down and sand down the corners with like a wet, you know, I guess saw or something of some sort. But even then, it's like you know these are massive pieces of limestone. Mm-hmm. How do you like how do you get it up? Um, I think they talked a little bit about like dolly systems, like but even then, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Right. Right. It's interesting. So that a lecture class or was that a... That was a lecture, yeah. Uh, and then I took another semester, uh, a seminar this past semester on the origins of World War II um, with a very famous professor, Paul Kennedy, um, famous British historian. And I thought that was really cool just because, you know, it's way less structured than, you know, some of these more, I don't want to say modern classes, but, you know, our professor was... He's, he's been there for a long time, um, like since the 70s or 80s, I think. So it was very, you know, conversational-based. You'd come in, um, one student would have a, you know, presentation on the readings for the night before or for the week before. You only meet once a week in a seminar. Um, but it just, like, I, I took the class, honestly. It's like, oh, World War II. Like, that's the only word that I saw. I was like, World War II, awesome. Yeah. We didn't talk about World War II, like the actual war itself once. Huh. It all about... Interwar, interwar period from you know 1931 to 41 I think we ended at Pearl Harbor so I thought it was really cool just like seeing the dynamics at play there and one of the one of the cool things that we did was we're like talking about all of these conflicts and all of these events before World War II starts and then you know we're bringing it back to the present and contextualizing it and you know what is the invasion of Ukraine and what are the implications of, you know, the Hamas-Israeli conflict right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how can some of these, like, be drawn... How can similarities between some of these events be drawn to some of the events that happened that, you know, ultimately led to the outbreak of war in World War Two? Yeah, and how do, you, how do we l- study history and learn from history? Mm-hmm. And that's... I told you I'm teaching this U.S. history course, and I have to a lot of times do what you did in this college class, bring in current events so that the students can, can draw lines. And not everyone is really interested in history like us, yep. you know, like the, you've got to see the thread of why this matters today, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is, I think is the challenge for professors and teachers to do. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and he did a great job. And I think like, I think Yale as a whole does a really good job of kind of bringing that back to the president and, you know, how can our students be, you know, the people that are going to be involved in policy and, and creating, you know, change for these pressing pressing subjects and topics, which I think is pretty cool. They do a good job with the uh, the hosting the Model UN, which I'm actually going to be going up to yeah. New Haven next weekend again uh, with the 30 Model UN yeah. boys from Gilman. So I'm excited for that. I, they do their thing. They handle it. And Yale does a great job running it. But mm-hmm. it's cool just to hang out in New Haven. Yeah. Get some pizza. Get some pizza. Sally's. Peppies. Peppies. Yeah, I'm a Peppies guy. Okay. 
Um, how about like breakfast places? We went to that one place last year. That was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, we did. Um, there's a new place kind of right. It's called The Place to Be. It's kind of it's kind of like, I don't know, like a more happening Miss Shirley's kind of. Honestly, probably wouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mason B is good. Um, actually, I'll tell you where to go. It's called Patricia's. It's like this tiny little, you know, kind of like a diner run by this Greek woman and her husband, just like a, like a small breakfast place, you know, pancakes, sausage, bacon, perfect, all cash. It's awesome. I'm we're there, like probably there twice a week. Yeah. I mean, I love walking around that town, great art museums, mm-hmm. uh, right on campus. I think there's a lot to do. So yeah. I, I, you know, I drop the boys off at their model UN and I check in on them, but I don't think I need to be there for the whole day. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to yeah. explore a little bit again. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know you guys have to you have to take transportation to uh, practice every day, right? Yeah, so our facility is I'd say seven to ten minutes away. So there is a, a you know a bus like a shuttle shuttle that takes everybody over because not only it's not only ours you know there's women's lacrosse, women's soccer, men's soccer whose locker room is you know within our facility, the side center. But, like, the football team is over there, track and field's over there. So there's a ton of people, so they're getting shuttled back and forth. A lot of us have cars, um, so I have my car, and I'll just, you know, drive over whenever, which is definitely very nice to kind of be on my own time and not have to plan my day around the shuttles because the worst thing that you can do is mispractice or mislift. They just um, tell you to go home. Yeah. Just, if you're, like, if you're there late, they're just going to send you home. So not having to worry about that is nice. And you know, Have you ever been late to a practice or something? No. It's impressive. I mean, I lived by myself. I didn't live with lacrosse guys. I lived with hockey guys. And I'm shocked that I was never – for these or early sessions. And Yeah, we'll have we'll have a – someone send a text, you know, like we're all waking up at – got to be there. So we had, a, we had a, like an indoor, you know, practice kind of thing. I think it was at 8 a.m. this past semester – for the last like three weeks, like we'd all check in. Our house is a two minute walk from the gym where we had to be. So we were like, all right, we'll check in at seven thirty, and then everybody will like the text. Like, all right, everybody's up. <laughs> but like, if you sleep in, people are gonna be banging on your door at seven thirty three. Oh, that's good. They'll wake. They'll wake you up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember those texts. Up? Question mark. Yeah. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go. Um, tell me about the new facility, the Joe Sai set up and that's mm-hmm. that's there right you're oh, using yeah. that yeah it's awesome um like we couldn't be more thankful for him he's awesome for us you know constantly giving to us which is you know amazing and we really couldn't you know ask for him he more. loves lacrosse he loves it yeah um he played played at lawrenceville played at yale and obviously you know super involved in the pll now i think he owns uh the Either the, the San Diego Seals, I think, in the NLL. Um, yeah, loves it. His kids play. Um, so, yeah, over COVID, I, the plans had been in. I remember on my – it's kind of going back on what I said earlier. Uh, but on my official visit, you know, or my v- original visit to Yale, Coach A shows me the national championship ring. And then he's like, check out these plans for our new facility. Like, state-of-the-art, a couple million dollars. I'm like – an 18 year old kid flipping through like the blueprint. I'm like, yeah. this is pretty cool. You're sold. Um, I didn't think that I would have it for all four years. You know, I thought they'd still be building it, but it was done by the time I got there freshman year. So I guess I took like a gap year kind of, um, and it was done and it's awesome. 
like state of the art everything we've got hot tub cold tub hot tub cold tub underwater treadmill Ooh. um we've got a dexa machine got an x-ray in there like anything that you possibly could think of it's definitely in there is a weight room in there or is yeah. it is weight room you know probably 20 racks full turf wow um and it's right by the field right yeah, there's like the field, all the racks, and then the back window, it's overlooking the field. Wow. So it's like Homewood Field. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah, same thing. Can't, Im- can't imagine. I, I feel like you almost need one of these facilities now to compete. You know, you look at Homewood Field, and I forget what that one's called. Um, you look at Yale. I'm sure the Big Ten, I'm sure like Michigan Michigan's has got it. a really nice one. Yeah, it's definitely a, you know, a device that – is now a recruiting device. Um, Coach Shea originally was like, I don't, you know, I don't want a kid to come here just because we've got nice facilities. Yeah. I think with that being said, he's kind of understanding, like, you kind of got to show the kids what they want to some extent. Um, so he's starting to, you know, tour them through there a, a lot more than he used to. He was like, earlier, I remember our freshman, sophomore year, he's like, if it was up to me, like, they're not going there. Like, I'm not even going to take them. Like, they'll see that when they come here. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I think he, he understands it. Like, you got to evolve a little bit. Um, and so now that's definitely, like, one of the major selling points. And it's, I mean, it's awesome. Like, literally anything that you could possibly want is there. So, Jack, let's hear about uh, your book, Rack, Make Your Bed. Yeah. Why this one? Yeah, so, so we actually just did a, um, like, the team kind of tries to find a way for us to, you know, stay connected over break. Um, and a couple of us, a couple of the upperclassmen defensively were, were like, what if we, you know, kind of picked a book, right, that we all read, we check in once a week, talk about what we read, having it, you know, be impactful for us for some way once we get out on the field. Um, so we, we ended up choosing three books. Each group could choose one of the three. And my group went with Make Your Bed. So... I actually think this was summer reading when I was at Gilman. Mm-hmm. I read it. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, reread it this past three weeks. And I think, like, you touched on it earlier. The first chapter of, you know, make your bed because, you know, you can check something off the first day. But I like it because, you know, it's like if you have the worst possible day ever, everything goes wrong, you know, horrible practice, you bomb an exam, you know, you lose a big game, whatever. If you go home and, you know, walk into your room and see your bed made, that is probably got to be the best feeling of all time, right? Where you're like, everything was horrible, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been if I didn't make my bed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty, you know, pretty powerful. And I'm on a, I guess, three week, making my bed streak. There you go. I think the first morning I was like, all right, I'm going to time myself. How long does it take me to make my bed? So I'm like, all right, it takes me four minutes. I'll wake up four minutes earlier so I can (laughs) do all that. Um, But I like it. You know, it's definitely like there are times where I'll forget to. I'll walk downstairs to start making a cup of coffee and then I'll sprint back upstairs, like just make my bed real quick. Um, I think there's a lot of other, you know, great stuff in here. I like the um, – there's a chapter about, you know, about the circus. I don't know. Have you, have you read it? I have, but I forget this one. So it's – they would go through their drills all day. Um, so the, I'll preface it a little bit. The book is about um, Admiral William McRaven, right, 
who was a Navy SEAL. He was spent some time in San Diego um, training. And this is like his stories of the little stories that he learned while you know training to be a Navy SEAL that he took with him for the rest of his life. And these 10 little things, you know, can make you change the world. Uh, it kind of stemmed from a speech that he gave to the graduating class of UT Austin, yep. I think yep. 2014. Um, so one of them is like, in life, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to be in the circus. So the circus was, they had their drills. Um, and if you, you know, not even their drills, you know, uniform check and all that good stuff. And if you didn't meet the standard of, you know, the instructors, they'd say, you know, Jake, you're in the circus today. So once you're done everything, you know, grueling day, every single day, grueling day, once you're done, if you're in the circus, you got two more hours of calisthenics. (laughs) So the thing with that was it's like, all right, I'm, you know, super tired after a you know long day of training, you know, early morning swims, you know, long beach runs. And then when you're done, if you're on the circus list, you got two more hours of calisthenics. So you're going to be extra tired the next day. Your standards are probably going to drop a little bit. So he talks about spiraling into this thing where it's like, you know, I'm in the circus one day, I'm tired the next day, my details are going to slip, I'm going to be in the circus the next day. Mm-hmm. So constantly in the circus... But then he talks about how if you're doing all this extra training, all these extra calisthenics every single day, over time, slowly, you're going to become stronger. You're going to become faster. And then he tells that it was one of the last tests, an open ocean swim. um, And him and his swimming partner are swimming, and they don't see anybody around them. They finish up on the beach. Like, they see the instructor's boots, look up. He's like, you two are the first ones on the beach. They look back, and there's nobody in sight. So all those extra hours spent in the circus, which originally was a form of punishment, you know, is the reason why they, you know, finished first in their class in this swim and, 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 and got stronger and, you know, mentally tougher, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's really good. A lot of uh, details. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, playing the college across, it's definitely different from the military. In a lot of ways, I've never been in the military. My sister and her husband are, and, you know, they tell me stories. But there is a lot of carry over I think to a program like Yale or Harvard or any of these college lacrosse programs because um, the discipline that it takes to be successful in a sport on a team I mean it goes down to every little detail mm-hmm. maybe it's taking picture of your food every day we had a fat test yep. so you come in after winter break and they they pinch you and they say Jake sorry buddy you're uh, Wednesday mornings you know you've got you're basically the circus yeah um so a lot of that stuff carries over, and I think it's just good for life, you know. I think yeah, this book, Make Your Bed, even now, I'm not playing a college sport right now, but if I wake up in the morning, I get my workout in, I feel like I have the best day ever, you know. So it's good stuff. Yeah, I think it's cool, too, kind of, you know, you mentioning some of the crossover. The reason why I wanted to go to Yale in the first place was, do you remember Michael Quinn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, you know, All-American defenseman, I thought I played a little bit like him, so I was like, you know, this guy, I saw him, you know, play against Rambo, I think, one year when they played Maryland. I was like, this guy's a stud. You know, like, I want to, I want to, you know, go there, I want to meet this guy. So I go to a game against Princeton, um, meet him after the game, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. I was probably in seventh grade. Flash forward, you know, end up going to Yale, whatever. I end up, got to know him relatively well. He worked, he was a banker for a couple years after graduating. Then he drops everything. He's like, I want to be a Green Beret. So this past year, he 
you know, quit his job as an investment banker in, in, in LA, joins the training for the Green Berets, and then this past October finished first in his class. Wow. Coach Shea tells us that, me and another guy, and he's like, yeah, and, and Quinny's saying that, you know, without Yale lacrosse, like, he wouldn't have been able to do it. And I'm like, dude, like, you're going to be in the Army, and you're saying that, like, some, you know, joke of a lacrosse program is what got you there. But he was pretty, you know, you know, adamant about it, and I thought it was pretty cool how, like, yeah, you know, some of the stuff that we do is getting a guy through, you know, some of the hardest military training in the world, which is, which is pretty, pretty powerful. You think you might want to be in the military someday, or...? I think everybody, you know, everybody watches Band of Brothers and they're like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm joining tomorrow. Right. Um, I don't, I don't want to say yes and be on the record for it. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I think that I have the personality to do it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if I'll ever, you know, actually, you know, you know, follow up my word. But. All right, Stu's. Well, thank you for coming yeah, thanks in. Thanks for having it's me. It's been fun. Super fun. Good to be back. Glad, you know. Glad I've got on. My mom's probably pretty happy. She's Shout out to your mom, honestly, because yeah. she, every time she's driving back from the Adirondack, she texts me, hey, like, great episodes, keep them coming. So yeah. it's great to finally have you on. Yeah. Um, so appreciate your time. Good luck this season. So we'll be yeah. watching here at Gilman. Yeah, you too as well. I hope you guys, you know, get back to the old winning ways. Yes, sir. And uh, Chesre, thank you very much. <laughs>